momentarily. <laughs> ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance, and all of our guests on the show will appear via the Goodyear hotline. We are looking for Tori Holt. We're going to talk to Austin Gale coming up at the bottom of the hour. We'll talk about all the teams and what they did, Kirk. And it's just always so much fun. that It's the only sport. The NFL is the only sport where something that has nothing to do with the actual games that are being played is their biggest event of the year. And, and and I know that the Super Bowl exists. I know that everybody gets fired up about this. But I'm not so sure that we don't spend more time focusing on the draft, talking about the draft, than we do the actual Super Bowl itself. <laughs> because this is like the brand new. This is like the kickoff to 21, right? It's the the kickoff to all the new players. Um, your rosters pretty much after this weekend are now set. You may have a couple free agent pickups here and there, but now you know they they're already publicizing the schedule release. We know that mm-hmm. for the uh, um, for for the uh, oh, NFL we'll, we'll, season. You and I will be paying attention to that. <laughs> That's always an important day for us. Yeah. So um, so, but you have all of that. But for for one night, Travis, one night uh, for of the off season, every fan base feels a part of it, right? This is what they do a good job of. But then on top of that, Travis, it's the excitement that man we're drafting a player that I can buy into, that I can invest in, grabbing a jersey. Like there's just an excitement. I mean, watching the fans that were on stage last night, it's raining in Cleveland. People get excited about the draft. It's just totally different than the NBA and the NFL. I mean, in the uh, NBA yeah, and Major, Major League, League Baseball. Baseball. Yeah, it, it, well, because we know the players so much more, right? right? That, that mo- most of the guys who came off the board yesterday, we I, I've watched Trevor Lawrence play 25 college football games. You know, mm-hmm. I've, I've watched most of these guys play a whole bunch of games. I've certainly watched Alabama and LSU and Ohio State and USC and all these teams that are putting guys at Oregon into the first round. So you know, whereas college basketball – Eh, you know, you might check in for the tournament here or there. And as far as amateur baseball goes, good luck. I'm a baseball guy. Nobody knows who those guys are. And then, you know, there's not nobody's like, oh, this pitcher out of Clemson. I mean, unless you're really plugged in, you don't know that stuff. That's why the NFL draft is a big part of it as well. And I like what you said a second ago. This idea of fans went to bed last night thinking, we got our guy. We got our guy. Now we're all is well with the world because Trevor Lawrence is coming to Jacksonville. I can sleep at night, and I think that that's probably a pretty good feeling. But here's the rub: who didn't Kirk? Who look every every year we know that somebody kicked their draft. We talked about the Raiders maybe going up to get not to go up to get him, but selecting Alex Leatherwood at 17 when a lot of people thought he might be a second round pick. Did you see anybody do anything last night that made you go, huh? What? Huh? Uh no, not really. I think every like to me there there was just a surprise and the intrigue of I didn't expect them to do that. I think just just for what we had uh assumed, uh many teams that had needs, whatever it may be, we just felt like this is what they should be doing. And all of a sudden they zigged and we were like, Whoa, whoa, I, I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't expecting the Denver Broncos to get Patrick Sertan at cornerback. Like no one knew that. Um, the Philadelphia Eagles were picking at 12 after already having traded from where they were before to get more picks. And then they trade back up to go grab a wide receiver and they trade it with their division rival, the, the Dallas Cowboys. Like th- mm-hmm. That's what the draft and it starts to become like a fantasy football draft. Right. We've all been in these fantasy football drafts before. And, and, and you know what? It's it's funny because that's what my investment is probably because of fantasy football. To where I'm looking at a guy who I want, and I'm like, man, will I be able to get him in my next round? Or do I go ahead and draft him? Man, should I get the quarterback now or should I wait? 
golly, that wide receiver, man, he makes a lot of catches, but I truly need a tight end right now. Like, I get what teams are going because it's on a whole different level. But last night was, uh, was, was for me, I thought – Outside of maybe the Raiders pick that you scratch your head a little bit, I thought every fan base was pretty excited. And I just thought it was funny that Seattle Seahawks fans actually were excited about the first round because they said they didn't have a chance to screw it up because they didn't have one. So they, were, <laughs> they didn't have a well, first get round. Get line. The Rams haven't had one forever. <laughs> so they were like, yeah, we went to – I had a, I saw the meme last night of, man, Seahawks fans went to bed really, really happy that they couldn't mess up the first round this year because they didn't have a pick. So <laughs> – <laughs> that's, that's cold, man. Yeah. That is, but okay. So let's let let's go to this, and let's go to the quarterbacks. We always talk about the quarterbacks. We're always uh, enamored with the guys that we think can make a difference. Guys that maybe got put in a place where maybe they're not set up to succeed. And we will do all of that coming up in just a little bit. But as promised, we are joined by one of the greatest players in Rams history. Tory Holt is joining us right now. Tory, good morning. How are you feeling? Good morning. Good uh, for me. It's good afternoon. You guys on the West Coast. But good morning to you all, man. So, uh, <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, good morning to us and good morning or good afternoon to you along the way. So take me through it, Tori. Kirk I, Kirk kind of told his story yesterday. You were a first-round pick. You were a sixth-overall pick out of North Carolina State. What do you remember most about your draft day? Being at home with my family and friends and uh, my teammates and my neighborhood, uh, that's what I remember most. Uh, it was you know, I, I certainly wanted to get invited to New York, but I wasn't. Um, and it was it was even greater being at home, being comfortable. My dad had fish. We had the you know we had the food. Everybody was chilling. It was comfortable, um, and we all took in the draft. And just to see the reaction of everybody, because if I would have went to New York, everybody wouldn't have been able to go. Um, but being at home, just being able to see everybody's reaction, seeing that, and and. In previous years, we watched the draft, you know, spottedly together as a, as a family um, and as friends. But to actually do it where you watch it from the from the beginning to, you know, when I got drafted and afterwards, it was uh, it was certainly a great experience. So not only was, was I thrilled and a good moment for me, but it was a good moment. And everybody was thrilled for the folks that I love and have helped me along my journey. You know, Tori, when you were drafted, you also went into a situation uh, with a group of wide receivers that became – Known as the exciting, the most exciting show on turf, and so it. I know it helped you in your transition, but I look at some of these wide receivers that got drafted last night, the five of them, and they're going into some situations, and I feel like people are going to expect them to have those big years to 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 be the number one guy early on. Some it some it may work, some it doesn't. But for you, when you were able to just kind of find your role within that offense, how was it different for you than maybe some of these receivers coming out right now? Well, it's Kurt. What's up, man? It was certainly, um, it was certainly great question too. It was certainly um, beneficial to have Ricky Pro, Isaac Bruce, Isaac King, uh, Marshall Falk, veteran guys in front of me um, that were very uh, was at was at the best of their position. So I wasn't asked to do everything, try to come in and be the savior, have thirteen, fourteen hundred yards, ten, fifteen plus touchdowns as a rookie. Now if that happened, great. But because we were so good everywhere else, I could develop and really learn my position. And I played the X, which is uh, – which, and you know what, how the X is. The X, you know, kind of jump starts everything offensively, uh, particularly if that X can get off and penetrate into your, your defense quickly. It can become a nightmare. So um, I was able to focus in on that and really master the X position while Isaac mastered the Z, Oz mastered the F. I didn't have to do every single thing. So that – so for one, that – I shrunk my learning curve, which was cool, um, as a rookie. And then I was able to focus in on my assignment, 
and do what I did best. But as my as the years went on and learning from Isaac and Ricky and all the others, and then just being in the league and studying Marvin and other guys, I was able to start growing my game um, as well as, you know, things that I learned from, from my rookie year that was trust that happened. So I would say to these young guys, man, if you can – hopefully the, the situations that they are in, these coaches really put time into and really help them, give them the tools, give them the things that they need to be successful while also knowing that they still have to develop but having that same enthusiasm to make sure that these kids, these young draftees are developed where, where we can actually Kurt, really see and Travis really see their full potential, particularly these first rounders because everybody doesn't get a first round draft grade. I don't know if everybody, if our listeners really understand that. Every all these players that we have coming into our league does not get a first round draft grade. It's probably only some probably think only maybe eighteen, twenty first rounders. Um, so, uh, so particularly for our first rounders, we got to make sure that we're and all of our players. But again, particularly our first rounders, we got to really pour into these guys, give them the tools that they need to be successful. And I was able to have that from a player's perspective and my peers. And then my coaches, Al Saunders was phenomenal, and Dick Vermeil was phenomenal. Al was really big on details, um, knowing your assignment, being efficient, playing fast, playing unselfishly, Kurt. You know how important that is. And I played the receiver position, which is, you know, can, you know how we can be. Um, <laughs> so um, that, with all that being said, it, it, it was really good um, for my transition because I, I felt like I learned how to play and approach the game the right way in a professional manner. Tory Holt joining Travis and Kirk here on 710 ESPN. And let's stick with the wide receivers for a second, Tory. Like Kirk mentioned, five guys taken in the first round yesterday. Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell, Devontae Smith, Kadarius Toney, and Rashad Bateman. I'm not, I'm not asking you who you think the best player is, but which of those guys is in the best situation? All the things that you just talked about, oh, the, the support staff, the coaching, the team, the, the, the rest of the roster, which of those guys do you think is in the best position to hit the ground running? Oh, wow. Well, because they're all so talented, I think they'll be okay. I really, I think Jameer Chase working with his partner, Joe Barrows, I think is, is really good. I was just on my live and I was talking about that. I was like, Cincinnati chose to go with Joe Barrows' homeboy. That's what he, they chose to do. <laughs> Look, they love, I, I, I know they love Sewell. They had to have, who doesn't like Panay Sewell? Um, and so they're saying, but Sam, though, I mean, uh, Barrows, though he didn't, Overly admitted, everybody knows that he wanted to throw the football to, to Jameer Chase, and they made that happen. So he's happy, right? So he's happy. Now they're saying the Rally Reef and Jonah Williams and all the other guys, Spain and all those guys along the offensive line, you guys and Joe Mixon and the tight ends as well, you guys got to step up and help us in pass pro. Joe, you got to step up and help yourself in pass pro because we now have guys, T. Higgins and Jameer Chase and Tyler Boyd, they got guys that could get over, they could get down. Um, Cincinnati does. So the, collectively, they're going to have to step up and help Joe Burrow, which I think will ultimately help uh, help Jameer Chase and the offense as a whole. I like going to going to Devontae Smith. These one A and one A for me. Devontae Smith, same thing. Going and playing with Jalen Hurts, a guy that he's familiar with. So Jalen Hurts, you know how he's already fired up because he's getting an opportunity to show that he can get started. Now I got one of my guys that I'm familiar with, and he's really good. Um, and you, you, you pair him up with the receiver that they took last year. So they're now going to be able to stretch the football field horizontally underneath guys like Devontae who understand how to play the position. This guy's really good. He's, he, he's the Blitnikoff winner. He's the Heisman Trophy winner. He's the best player in college football last year. Very high football IQ. So you're getting a guy who's 
very serious about his craft and about the game of football. So I think they'll be fine now. They got to obviously put, still got pieces off of the line, things to put around the Eagles, but certainly excited about that one. And then Tony, man, you know, <laughs> think about him, his wiggle, his versatility, what he'll bring to the Giants to go along with St. Carr and Barkley. Uh, the quarterback Jones can also use his legs. Uh, Marvin Jones, is, I mean, not Marvin Jones, Kenny Galladay is out there now. So they now become a little more explosive to go along with that defense. So these guys, again, to me, in my opinion, are all in solid situations, those three three particularly. And then Joe Judge, who is a nonsense, comes out as a nonsense type of a guy. They want to win. Um, and, and and Tony, I think, can certainly help, help elevate and bring some excitement to that offense. So I'm excited for all these guys, all talented Good guy. And then, oh, you know what? I forgot about Bateman. I can't leave Bateman out because I like <laughs> Bateman. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm sorry. I like Bateman. Uh, and the reason why I like Bateman is because, you know, everyone is saying, well, he's not this fast guy. Well, they were saying the same thing about Jerry Rice. And I'm not saying that he's Jerry Rice. But what I am he saying okay. is he, put, he was okay. Damn right he was. Yeah. Great all time. I was just with I was just with Jerry. Had a great conversation with Jerry at the Run Rich Run uh, event last weekend. Oh, my God. Incredible Incredible conversation with Jerry. One of my favorites. Uh, but anyway, Rashad Bateman can beat man coverage. He can beat zone coverage. And he plays fast and he carries his pads really well. Soft hands, long, natural, uh, good feel for the position, a good IQ as well. Seems to have a good IQ route runner. Uh, I think he's going to help Lamar Jackson. You, you know, I always say if a quarterback can get a receiver that he knows is going to be open, like pretty much play after play after play, he doesn't have to worry about that guy. Uh, that guy can catch a lot of balls. I think Rashad Bateman will, will add that to the Baltimore Ravens, someone that can consistently get open, got a good feel for how to play the position. All right, it's time for some straight talk. Cutting your wireless bill in half feels good. Home run in the ninth, good. Straight talk offers 25 gigs of high-speed data for 45 bucks a month, up to 50% less than the other guys on America's Best Networks. Straight talk wireless, no contract, no compromise. You know, Tori, I know you've been doing a lot of great work with the Hope Brothers charity that you and you know, your brother's been able to do down there in North Carolina and just all, all over, um, to me, the country in terms of that brand. But uh, one thing I want to say, I know you give so many people and kids in that community um, you know, a sense of, of, of rebuilding schools and giving them opportunities as well. But I would have to say this. I, I, I saw a couple pictures of you a couple weeks ago coming out of the tunnel at SoFi Stadium. And for all those people that haven't been to SoFi Stadium, you looked like a kid. You looked like a kid in a candy store walking out there to the field. I mean, they let some season ticket holders and people come out. But for a longtime Ram who won a Super Bowl with the Rams and now they've transitioned to Los Angeles, walking out to that stadium, what were, what were the feelings uh, over Torrey Holt then? Unbelievable, Kurt. Unbelievable. I'm still smiling. I got my jersey on the day, like my <laughs> authentic new Rams jersey on the day. I'm rocking it all day. Um, I was I was so excited. I wanted to get I wanted to suit up again. I was like, man, it just it, it just felt that good. The, the stadium is amazing. The atmosphere, the ambiance is great. There's a there's no bad seat in the house. The Oculus, the, the scoreboard is a is. It's amazing. It's like 110, some whatever feet down in the ground. Um, just to drive down to the stadium from the top, just to drive down to get into the stadium was amazing. And then to walk out and to see uh, what Stan Kroenke and that has, has and what they built there uh, for the Rams and the Chargers to play in is uh, is futuristic. And if I'm a player, and I, and I know 
our Rams players are because I talk to them, I see them, and, and follow those guys. They are super stoked to play in there. They can't wait to get the fans back in there. It's going to take all of us, though, right? We know we got to do it safely and smartly. It's going to take everyone. But I tell you, it's going to be an experience for everyone. And if you're a home team, if you're a away team, and not only NFL football, concerts, NCAA basketball, all kinds of things are going to come to SoFi. It is a state-of-the-art, certainly a leader in, uh, in how stadiums, what stadiums will represent and what, and what stadiums will look like in the future. Tori Holt. Tori, always a pleasure to talk with you. Thanks so much. Absolutely. My best. Appreciate you, Chad. Appreciate you, Kirk. Thanks, Tori. All right, you got it. All right, so we know that Aaron Rodgers may be headed to a new place, Kirk, but could we see another famous quarterback in another new place as well? That's coming up next. Travis and Kirk on 710 ESPN. Kirk Adam Schefter just tweeted a minute ago. Uh, he's got a picture of uh, Les Snead's new war room. Now that he uh, tested positive for COVID, he's not able to go to the Rams draft house in Malibu. And yeah. let's just say that the room he's in right now does not uh, inspire the same sort of feelings as the views from that Malibu beach house. Yeah, he's uh, uh, yeah, it's it's different. I would just say. I'll just say it's different. He's got. A, but this is his. I think this is his garage. I believe, or just a Looks room like that they it. set up. Yeah, but you know, the one thing about Les is he he mentioned that he had already taken uh, uh, the first shot for the vaccine, and so he caught COVID in between the shots right before he's going to get his second dose. So he said, hopefully, he's right now he's asymptomatic. He doesn't feel any uh, anything going on. Uh, too much, but it'd be interesting that two years in a row he's had to do it virtually because this yes. was supposed to be like the whole entire staff coming together. You know, the Rams, you know, they, uh, they, they Brad Holmes was there last year, who was their college scouting director. He's not a GM with the Detroit Lions. Ray Agnew was an assistant. He's now with the Lions. So this was like this new group <laughs> of Rams evaluators supposed to come all together. And yet, he's got to do it all remotely again. So. <laughs> no question. All right. 2021 he can't, he can't NFL. come to the beach house. <laughs> nope. He's locked out. 2021 NFL draft aerial coverage over Cleveland is provided by Goodyear. The start of a new drive. Goodyear, more driven. So this kind of fell through the cracks a little bit yesterday, Kirk, because mm-hmm. it was the draft and because Aaron Rodgers had made noise. But Tim Tebow wants to play tight end for the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. That, and look, I, you could almost see this coming, right? That he quit baseball. He His old coach, Urban Meyer, is now the head coach in his hometown. You right. know, that's where he's from in Florida, is right around Jacksonville area there. Is there and Key was talking about this this morning on his show, saying, <laughs> look, if Tim Tebow makes that team, I'm coming back. Because obviously <laughs> there's an opportunity there. But is this just him wanting to see his name in the paper one more time? And what, what, what is that? I don't know what this is, man. This is similar to when I was in Jacksonville and – you know, Tim Tebow was right there. And so Jaguar fans were like, oh, we got to draft Tebow. You know, Tebow's from that area. He went to Florida, which is not too far, University of Florida, not too far away. And people were like, man, the Rams, I mean, the, the Jaguars should have drafted Tim Tebow. I think this is all a ploy to get everybody excited again. Tim Tebow better not go out there and make that team. He, I mean, <laughs> there's just, come on, man, let, let's just be real. Like, Tim Tebow, greatest, one of the great college players of all time I arguably mean, the greatest yeah. college quarter not not the best quarterback the greatest college as far as winning and losing Blair, and whatnot yeah. there's there's a real strong case to be made that he was the best he was the, he was that guy you know two-time national champion all all the things that you would want from the quarterback position he gave you um at florida now 
to me, he got to the NFL. He had his opportunity to play tight end. He didn't want to do it, play special teams, didn't want to do it. But he should have did this a long time. He was actually – what's the um, – what's the, I'm drawing a blank for the kid in, uh, in New Orleans right now. Um, Taysom Hill? He was Taysom Hill. He was yeah. Taysom Hill before Taysom Hill when he was with the Jets, and he just – it never – it wasn't – he wanted to be a quarterback. And now – I think Travis, he's just having that 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 transition. You know, he, he wants but, to move on, but he can't. Hey, hey, at the end of the line comes for everybody. <laughs> it comes it at different times for different people. You know, high school, maybe college, maybe if you're somebody like Kirk Morrison, you play a bunch of years in the NFL. But it ends for everybody at one point or another. All right, first round of the draft is in the books. Second and third rounds getting ready to go. The Rams have a bunch of picks. The Chargers have a bunch of picks. Austin Gale, the director of content for Pro Football Focus, joins us next with Travis and Kirk on 710 ESPN. All right, ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance, and all of our guests on the show appear via the Goodyear hotline, and that is where we go right now, Kirk, for Austin Gale, who is the Director of Content at Pro Football Focus. Austin, good morning. How are you feeling today? Doing great, man. How about yourself? Fantastic. Let's start with this. The Rams have their first pick today, or at least they they might have their first pick today, (laughs) at number 57. Do you expect them to make a pick? Do you expect them to trade out? And if they do make that pick, which direction do you see them going? Yeah, it's an interesting spot. I think you could obviously see when you're a team like the Los Angeles Rams who do not have you know a lot of draft capital, it's obvious that you could be in a position to trade back. I, I think it ultimately depends who's on the board right now. According to PFS draft board, you have Christian Barmore of Alabama, the defensive tackle, at 12. He was the 12th-ranked player on PFS draft board. He's still available. Safety Trayvon Merrick of TCU, Jeremiah Wusukoromoa of Notre Dame. All those guys ahead of the draft were um, top 20 players on PFS draft board. So I do think you have to let the board fall to you. They likely could trade back looking to add more draft capital, but there's a ton of talent here, especially along the offensive line. I think if you're not picking in the second round, if you're not picking in the second round of this draft, you're going to lose out on a very good offensive line class. Sam Cosby of Texas, still there. Dylan Radin, North Dakota State. Kevin Jenkins, Oklahoma State. A lot of talent along the offensive line, but I think by the time you get to round three, you're going to start to lose some of this talent for sure. You know, Austin, what did, what did you see in round one that maybe have uh, surprised you or shocked you from last night? Is it Was it the run on the, the, the five quarterbacks, which we kind of expected, or was it the defensive players that went unexpectedly in the top ten, you know, with Horn and Sertan? What surprised you in that first round? I mean, I think the first shock was obviously the Chicago Bears trading up from 20 to 11 to grab Justin Fields. They sliding Justin Fields, too, before the draft was PFS number three overall player and number three quarterback in the class behind Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. That was an absolute steal. The steal of the draft, in my opinion. Dave Gettleman, the, uh, the GM of New York Giants, has talked about not wanting to trade out to not get fleeced. Only getting one future first rounder and to change to let the Bears come up nine spots from 20 to 11 and get their quarterback in the future, that's getting fleeced. You compare that to what the San Francisco 49ers did, trading from 12 to three, nine spots two future first-rounders and a future third, I mean, it's just a totally different ball game. You know, the Chicago Bears arguably get the number two, number three quarterback in this class at 11. And I think it's, it, it's crazy to see, obviously, the New York Giants trade back. I think they wanted Devontae Smith. You saw the Philadelphia Eagles trade the number 84 overall pick to go from 12 to 10 to make sure they got ahead of the Giants and got Devontae Smith. I think the Giants wanted Smith, traded out of that pick, picked up a future first-rounder. I love that move. For the Chicago Bears, that was a slam dunk steal of the draft, in my opinion. So I'm going to ask a very technical question here, Austin. And we're speaking with Austin Gale, director of content for Pro Football Focus. 
What the hell are the Raiders doing? <laughs> man, oh man. I, I think it's as simple as this. So the Las Vegas Raiders are not are, are not taking in all the data available to them. I mean, there is a lot of data that suggests know where the consensus is on these prospects and time and time again we've seen them ignore that consensus you know 50 60 70 plus analysts put together the athletic consensus board to form opinions and it's on the nose in terms of how this draft order usually maps out it's very close a high correlation to where these players are ultimately picked and i think Bottom line is the Las Vegas Raiders always get, maybe specifically Tom Cable, always gets his guy. They always get their guy, regardless of how the rest of the league sees a player. If you know Tom Cable or John Gruden loves a player from Alabama, Clemson, or Ohio State, they're going to get him, regardless of what they think. And a lot of people you know, say, why don't you trade back? Why don't you trade back? I push back on that a little bit. You're not always in a position to trade back. Your phone's not always ringing when you're on the clock. There's sometimes no trade partners. But my counter to that is if you're looking at Alex Weatherwood, and with all the data available to you, you can see that the, the rest of draft analysts are not as high on him as you are. Why are you going to be overconfident in your evaluation of this player when you could just take the next player on your board who perhaps is a little bit closer to the consensus and then t- potentially find Alex Weatherwood in round two? You have to play the game a little bit. The NFL draft, in a lot of ways, is a game. It's about finding value at different spots. Getting the most value for your picks is getting guys right before other teams will take them. I don't think that's what Alex Leatherwood was. It's another reach in terms of the consensus. They lock into their guy. They lock into Alex Leatherwood. You know, Austin, the way the draft fell yesterday uh, for the Chargers at pick 13, they were able to get Rashawn Slater. What was his draft grade coming in, and did the the Chargers really get a steal for them having just to stand pat and get probably one of the best tackles in this draft? I do think that this pick is not going to get talked about a ton because it's not super sexy, but this is one of the better picks of the draft. I mean, today Sewell going to Detroit Lions at 7, and then Rashawn Slater going to Los Angeles Chargers at 13 are two slam dunks for both those franchises. Rashawn Slater, on some people's board, was the best offensive tackle in this draft. To get him at 13 was, was a steal for Los Angeles, especially for a team that needs help at tackle and interior offensive line. He can play any position, all five. He can even play center. If you ask them to, that's how good Rashawn Slater is. I know there was an injury red flag that came up in the medical combine check-in. I think it was something with his back, but that didn't cause too much of a slide or too much of a worry for Los Angeles. He goes to them at 13. I think I saw Rashawn Slater mock the Los Angeles Chargers 100, 200 times in the pre-draft process, and then they finally lock in on him. I think it was an obvious selection. So let's talk a little bit about the quarterbacks, Austin, and you know, for all the reasons you said, whether it's the athletic ability or just the fit of the situation that they're going to, coaching staff, personnel that's already on the roster, which of these quarterbacks is set up best to succeed and which of these quarterbacks is not set up to succeed? I mean, the, the, the quarterback that went number three overall to the San Francisco 49ers was always going to be in the best position to succeed. Kyle Shanahan is arguably a top two, top three offensive coach in the NFL. Offensive line is sound with Trent Williams, Mike McGlinchey, and obviously um, they could use some help on the interior, but having two tackles like McGlinchey and Trent Williams is a huge win for San Francisco. Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, I like George Kittle. I really like what they have offensively. That Trey Lance is in the best position to succeed. However... In my opinion, he's either the fourth or fifth best quarterback in this class. I would have gone Justin Fields at number three overall. So Justin Fields, I think after Trey Lance, is probably QB2, in my opinion, from a situation standpoint. He has Allen Robinson. I like Matt Nagy as a play caller. 
I think Matt Nagy gets a bad rap because he's been dealing with atrocity at the quarterback position for a few years now. Getting Justin Fields, the most accurate quarterback in this class, by the way. Everyone brings up Mac Jones and his accuracy. Justin Fields is the most accurate quarterback in this class at all three levels of the football field. Matt Nagy is going to it's going to be night and day compared to what he had with Mitch Trubisky. I think this is, a, again, Trey Lance in the best situation, but Justin Fields, don't be surprised if he really outperforms expectations. All right, Austin, I got to give you some comparisons here for the people in Los Angeles because the Rams traded away two number ones for Jalen Ramsey. So that second number one was last night's pick by the Jacksonville Jaguars at pick 25. Um, which ended up being Travis Etienne, the running back out of Clemson. So for people in Los Angeles think, oh, we gave up a first-round pick, how good can Travis Etienne be? I still think the Rams got the better end of the deal having a Hall of Fame-type corner, but Travis Etienne goes to the Jacksonville Jaguars. What's his rank, and how do you think that he'll figure out in Jacksonville and keep the people in L.A. who gave up the first-rounder at bay? Yeah, I mean, I do think, you know, looking back at the trade, it was good process by the Jacksonville Jaguars to get you know, two future first-round picks in return for Jalen Ramsey. And for the Los Angeles Rams, who believe they're in a window, whether they are or not is up for interpretation, who believe they're in a Super Bowl window now with Matt Stafford, they made a power move um, to kind of continue to keep that window open, to continue to be competitive and you know, Super Bowl competitive. While the Jags, in the middle of a rebuild, I like the move that initially for the Jags, now, spending that pick on Travis at the end, and then Urban Meyer out of the gate saying James Robinson's gonna, James Robinson and Carlos Hyde are going to do the early down touches, and Travis at the end is going to come in on third downs. What? The running back position is already low value. Now you're going to limit him to just passing downs? This makes no sense to me. I do think that spending first-round picks on valuable positions is so much better than chasing low-value positions with those top 50 picks because when it comes back to market value, you know, the highest-paid um, running back in the NFL does not make as much as Trey Henderson or Leonard Floyd, guys who are like the 15th or 20th best edge defenders in the NFL. It's not a highly paid position. And when you think about that, it's a low value position because it just doesn't have that level of impact on the football field. So anytime you're going running back in the first round, especially a guy that's going to be a third down back out of the gate, it's just going to be so hard to recruit that value. All right, that is Austin Gale, Director of Content at Pro Football Focus. Austin, appreciate you coming on. Thanks so much. Of course, thank you. You got it. Kirk, I got to tell you, man, the reason I asked that question about the Raiders is because that, to me, the answer he gave us is exactly what I feared Raider fans might hear. And and that is just this idea of it's institutional arrogance. It's just thinking that you're the smartest guy in the room all the time. I want to pick that up. I want to come back and talk about the Raiders and the way that they go about making picks because it makes absolutely no sense at all. That's coming up next. Travis and Kirk, 710 ESPN. All right, the 2021 NFL Draft aerial coverage over Cleveland is provided by Goodyear, the start of a new drive. Goodyear, more driven. And we're going to jump right into the Raiders, Kirk, because um, (laughs) what we were just talking about with Austin Gale there, I thought he he said something that really, really struck me. And that is that more or less there is a general consensus on where these how good these guys are right like this guy is a little bit better than this guy who's a little bit better than this guy and you have the whole board and everybody not down the line but more or less agrees for instance you're not going to you might have a guy at 15 and I might have him at 17 but you're not going to have a guy at 15 and I'm going to have him at 46 right right? (laughs) there's not going to be a giant gap like that and yet the Raiders are the one team that kind of go all over this. They might they have their their board, and everybody has somebody at forty six, and they've got him at seventeen. 
This is the part I don't get because if there's data, if there's general consensus, and if your picks continually underperform, how are you not looking at your process? How are you not looking at what it is you go about doing and saying, hey, um, every year we draft, and every year all these people are saying, what the hell are the Raiders doing? Now, if you're getting them all right and you're killing, you say, who cares what they think? They're not. They're, they're, They're not killing the draft. They're not terrible at it, but they're not killing it. And it just lends itself to this idea of both the Raiders and the and John Gruden in particular just having this, I, I know better than all of you. No, you don't. Not when you keep doing this. And there's a reason the Raiders keep going 8-8 eight and eight and 6-10 and 10 or worse. It's just at some point what everyone else is doing is probably a better way to do it. Well, you can do that when also you're a coach that's not on the hot seat. When you sign a long-term yeah. deal, you can make those picks. And if it doesn't work out, just say, hey, we went with the best guy we thought was on our board. Look, that was offensive line a need, yes, but it was not a first-round need. It was a second-round need, a third-round need. The Raiders needed defensive help. And if there's defensive players out there, I can live with that when you get to a press conference and you say, you know what, we went with a defensive player who we thought could help us out right now immediately. Does Alex Leatherwood help you out immediately on defense? No. Does he help out the offense? Sure, but the offense was not the problem for the Raiders last year. It's been the defense. And if you bring in a new defensive coordinator like you did in Gus Bradley, why not get him an extra edge rusher? Why not get him a playmaking linebacker? Why not get him a safety or another corner to put out there? Because this year's pick could have definitely helped you right away. Last year's pick, Damon Arnett, who they picked in the first round, another one. Like you mentioned, Travis, just one team had him here and then another team or the consensus was he was way down here. The Raiders spent the first round draft choice and then you're having press conferences at the end of the year saying how we need more production out of that position. (laughs) No, go figure. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you overlaid everybody's NFL draft boards, right? If you, if you took all 32 teams, you would have 31 that look more or less pretty similar, right? Right. Yes. And then you have the Raiders and and look, if, if you had the track record of the, Patriots, sure. If you have the, the the track record of the Rams saying, you know what, I don't need first-round picks. I'll take Jalen Ramsey. I don't yeah. need first-round picks. I'll take Matt Stafford. And you keep going to the playoffs every year and show up in the Super Bowl, and Sean McVay scoring a bunch of points and all these. You say, okay, cool. They're doing it different, but it's working. But it's this working, isn't what's yeah. going on with the Raiders. And you brought up an important point, I think. This idea of, well, John Gruden has such a long runway. He's got that 10-year deal. And I get it. And he does. And that obviously is a little bit of a difference. But Trying to find the best way to describe Mark Davis. I could talk about him as being unusual, mm-hmm. uh, atypical, uh, he-man haircut. These are all things <laughs> that you could talk about with Mark Davis, and they're right. all true. But at some point, he's got to look at the results that he's getting from this and say, okay, how long do I want to ride this out? Because the the I'm going to zig when everyone else zags is not is not helping. You're you're finishing outside of the playoff window after year after year after year. And, and I mean, I guess they got a little closer last year at eight and eight, but nobody's looking at the Raiders as a threat to get deep into the playoffs anytime soon. At some point, the guys picking the players have to be held responsible for that. Well, I think they're not even a threat right now in their own division, which we right. know has been the Kansas City Chiefs division these last what three seasons. So not only you got to find a way to gain your footing against them. But then on top of this, um, with Gruden now in year four, Travis, they have not made the playoffs. They've let go of uh, Amari Cooper, Khalil Mack. Those are some big names that are now yeah, – they, they can help you out up front. You've been drafting players. And so this is, again, where I look at the Rams who draft – I mean, who, who trade for good players and give up the assets, give up the draft picks. 
where the Raiders were the team that traded a player away to get those assets. And now the assets aren't turning out the way that you would expect. And I think Austin Gale said it like there has to be value within those picks. But with the Rams knowing that, look, we can trade for a guy knowing that we're going to be picking in the 20s. (laughs) You know what I mean? Sometimes hopefully the 30s to where that pick won't have a lot of value. It turns almost into ultimately a second round pick for some time. So, look, it's the hot seat for John Gruden comes after this season. Okay, I mean, honestly, right now, Travis, he has to win this year because all the question marks for the Raiders were what it was. It, it was because of Derek Carr. Well, Derek mm-hmm. Carr showed you it wasn't because of him. Oh, well, you know what? We've been bad defensively. So we fired our defense coordinator. We got a new defense. Okay, well, you got a new defense coordinator. And Gus Bradley, he does pretty well. So now it's all going to look back at you, the head coach, John Gruden. At some point, it's the players, right? At some point, and and then if you have don't have enough good players after a long period of time, it's the guy picking the players, picking the players yeah, right. That, that, that you can say when you show up, you can look around and say, eh, "That guy, nah, he's not going to work. He's not at our level. He got to get rid of him." And this is the one good player we got, but we're not one good player away. I got to trade this one good player away for a bunch of picks. So then I'll get my guys. <laughs> you can sell that. That's a sellable thing for a few years. But at some point, that Bilka, you're like, okay, you you got your guys now. We're still in third place in our own division. What what are we doing here? And that's where the Raiders are getting close. And I loved what you you said a minute ago, Kirk, when we were talking with Austin about the Rams and the way that they've executed their draft the last few years. If you just in a vacuum said, hey, would you rather have Jalen Ramsey or Travis Etienne? I mean, is there is there any question in the world about that? And that's mm-hmm. basically what they did, right? They yes. traded Jalen Ramsey for a couple of first-round draft picks. This was the second one. It's ATN because of where they picked in the draft. The Rams got the right end of that. Yeah. You're not picking a better player than Jalen Ramsey in the draft. You're just not. Or they also the other player, too, in the previous draft was a Kalevon Chason out of LSU. So the two players that the Jaguars drafted were Kalevon Chason, who last year, I believe Travis had one, ta- uh, maybe one sack. He wasn't a difference maker. Yeah, who was not a difference maker. You're correct. So you had Kalevon Chason and Travis Etienne. And the Rams got Jalen Ramsey, who has been uh, just transcendent for the Rams defense. Obviously, Aaron Donald is the best defensive player in the league. But man, where, we, where should we put Jalen Ramsey? Because he's not too far behind. You're not. You're probably not getting onto that second hand, right? Right. I mean, if true. we're just listing best defensive players in the league, regardless of position, just if we're just building an all-star team, a fantasy football team of de- of defensive players, and Aaron Donald's the first pick, correct? And then you know, there's probably a handful of other guys that you could pick going, you know, up and down the list. Khalil Max on the list for mm-hmm. sure. Are we getting to pick six before we take <laughs> Jalen Ramsey? Probably not, right? Probably I mean, Jalen yeah. Ramsey's coming off before that. He, but he's worth the first rounders, right? Sure. And so now, I think now the next part for the Rams is Matthew Stafford now has to exceed that contract. We'll see what the Detroit Lions now do with those picks. It starts today with the third round pick that they had to give up for this year, and then we know the two future, two future first round picks for Detroit. We'll learn in the years to come. But for right now, now it's Matthew Stafford's turn to show the Rams right with what they did in order to get him. Do you think the Rams make a pick at 57, or do you think that they trade out of that spot? No, I think that they make the pick um, because that is toward the end of the second round. Mm -hmm. So by the time you get there, it's like, okay, you got to make the pick because 
the teams that have first the round talent drop off players. between the back end of the second round and the yes. early part of the third round because they they also pick 88th right that's right. their they have two third round picks at 88 and 103 the gap between 57 and 88 and 103 it's pretty <laughs> big isn't it yeah so either they do a small trade small trade is maybe they trade up I mean, or trade back with a team who's got like you know uh who are three slots behind them so you mm-hmm. may get just a switching of that but i don't see uh, anyone you know trading from you know maybe what eighty to up to fifty seven? No, I think the Rams are stay packed, and I think tonight Travis they go get a linebacker. I feel I feel like linebacker or corner. That's where I think that their focus should be. If they go offensive line, I'm not upset at that either. But I think retooling his defense uh, with now Brandon Staley going over to the Chargers offensively, they're fine, right? Maybe tight end, too. We haven't talked tight end. I've been talking about a tight end. Could that yeah, be well, another one? You got Higby. You got Munt. The Gerald Everett is gone. And, yeah. you know, H- Higby's been kind of an interesting guy. A little bit hit and miss. He's had some big games, and he's, there's been games where he was kind of Jared Goff's guy a little bit, too, that he was kind of comfortable there. We'll see mm-hmm. how it fits in with uh, with Matthew Stafford. So that's something to keep. And, and do you think we got, we got about 20 seconds left here, Kirk? Yeah. Any fireworks today? Do we hear anything about Aaron Rodgers? Do Jimmy G on the move? Do we get anything big today? I don't think anything big. We'll, we'll see some trades, though. Trades will happen tonight. That'll be fun, but I don't think anything any, anything big. Here we go again. Round two. The Rams <laughs> have the 57th pick. We'll see if they pull the trigger. We'll see if they move. We'll get it all covered for you on Monday as well. That's all coming up. Kirk, it was a pleasure. We'll talk to you again. Sounds good, Travis. Always.